that he welcomes us to come to him. Isn't it good to know that, that God welcomes us to come into his presence? He, he welcomes all those who place their faith in him to come and receive freely from his throne of grace, to find mercy and grace in time of need. And so um, that prayer that we have, Lord, we need you, he has already answered in Christ. And that is why we sing this morning. Amen? Well, um, today is one of those days when technical things just don't go right. And I was thinking, it's kind of like when I went on sabbatical a year ago, and we had all made all of our plans, and then God had a plan, <laughs> and he did that to reveal some things. And so uh, I, I was actually just rejoicing that um, we, we had some sound issues. Maybe you're experiencing sound issues back in the multi-purpose room or in streaming. If so, I apologize. Uh, we had some sound issues. We had projection. We had slide problems. And you know what? Um, all of those things can be a means of grace to help us focus on the fact that our worship is not about our plans going well. Our worship is not about things working out the way we want them, that things technically work. We can see the, see the words up there that it sounds perfect. Our worship is based on the truth of Jesus Christ. And we worship in spirit and in truth in response to that. And so if mornings like this help us focus on the truth of what we sing and why we sing, then thank God. Um, one of the other things that went, uh, went differently than we wanted was Philip. Um, he hurt his back this morning. And so around 8.30 or so, he texted and said, hey, I won't be there. And so um, we were grateful. Uh, you did a great job, Jared. Thank you so much, Jared's first job time pitching in with, with less than an hour and a half notice um, making his way over here. And I think you did a wonderful job. Thank you for serving us. Um, it is wonderful to focus on the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. And that's what we respond to. That's why we sing. And we don't sing because we're cool or hip and we've never had that problem. But we sing, we sing in response to the work that God has done in us and through us because of him. Amen? Well, turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. We are continuing in our series in the book of John. We're going to be reading God's holy inspired word for us today. And I believe... Jesus wants us to be set free through this word. Let's read God's word today. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered to him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I can speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. 
You are doing what your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my accord, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father lies. But because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we just finished singing how much we need you. May we be acutely aware that we need you. But may we not stop there. May we trust and hope and place all of our faith in the fact that that you are the answer to all our needs. May we renounce all hope in ourselves. God, I, I pray that you would enable us to put aside any distractions, any challenges in our thinking, Lord, and and give us clarity of thought and of mind to be able to hear your words. God, it it is a gift from you that we can hear your words. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate our minds, open up our hearts, that we might hear you, that we might understand your word and respond to you. Holy Spirit, we, we pray that you would fill us afresh. All those who are in you would be filled with more of you. And God, I pray for those who do not know you, that you would, you would bring your gift of, of conviction, of repentance, so that we might all experience true freedom in you. God, I pray that you would help me in my weakness, help all of us in our weakness. By your grace, give us your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's text, it, it, it doesn't, might not seem like it at first, but it's, it's all about freedom. 
all throughout it, Jesus is actually unpacking the idea of what he has just told them when he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he challenges their notions about what they think about their freedom. He tells them where, where true freedom can be found and, and, he, and he tells them where it cannot be found. Freedom, it's something that we cherish in this country, isn't it? Our very country was, was built on the idea of being free from rule, right? Free from British rule. We want to be free to do as we want. It's immortalized in not only the Declaration of Independence, but all throughout our culture, freedom is upheld as the chief virtue. But is it really freedom? Freedom. Do we really have freedom? Now, I'm not talking about political freedom. Do we have true freedom? It's immortalized in, in, in songs from Leonard Skinner's Free Bird, which I hope doesn't get stuck in your head now, to Tom Petty's I'm Free, I'm Free Fallen. Or if you will, Reba McIntyre came out with a song about a year ago called Freedom, and then Beyonce came out with a song last year singing about freedom. But what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be free? Is, is, is freedom found in doing what you want? I want you to think for a moment, what, what do you think it means to be free? You know, today a lot of people want to get rid of Christianity because they believe that it imposes on their freedoms. It keeps them from doing, doing the things they want to do. That, that really the constraints of Christianity, people telling them about things, it's, it's oppressive, it's repressive, it's, it's bad, it's encumbering, it's limiting. They want to throw off Christ, throw off all notions of limits. But is that freedom? In in this passage, Jesus challenges the very notion of freedom. And and really, these are the same challenges that we deal with today. They're they're no different. They, They may look a little different, but it's the same root cause. You see, inherently, as people... There's nothing new under the sun. There's, there's no new temptation that's uncommon in our day. And so Jesus tells us something about barriers to freedom. And he, he hammers three different barriers to freedom that the Jews, that people, trust in. And that first barrier to freedom, to true freedom, Jesus tells them, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and there is a barrier to freedom that they can't seem to let go of, and Jesus tells them that that freedom can't be had until they admit that they're slaves. You see, they revolt against that idea that that they need to be free. They they don't like the idea that somebody is telling them that, that, hey, you think you're free, but you're really not. You're a slave. You're enslaved. They're very proud. I think that's very different from Americans today. It's that notion of of if I get rid of all constraints, then I'm free. I'm already free inherently in who I am. Now, the interesting thing is that Jesus, we're used to seeing him clash with his detractors. We're used to seeing him clash with the religious leaders. But that's not who he's talking to here. Look down your Bibles in, in verse 31. Look at who he's talking to. He says, the Jews, he said to the Jews who had believed in him. Hang on. So this whole dialogue is all to people who have professed faith in Jesus. But it's, it's not a possession, it's a profession. 
The faith that they have is just a mere profession and Jesus wants to reveal that, that they don't truly have faith in him because they're putting their faith in all kinds of other things. They, they like the words that he says, as long as it can be added to what they currently have, as long as it can be added to their national heritage, to their ideas of freedom, and as long as Jesus plus the rest, then it's okay. But Jesus is saying, no, it's nothing else except me. Freedom is found in nothing else except for him. And so they're challenged by that idea, and they, they, they argue with him. It's a debate, not like the ones we've been seeing lately. They actually, they, they talk back and forth. They give answers. Jesus answers their questions, their objections. It's not a surprise when we see that Jesus is clashing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, teachers of law, but he's, he's clashing here with people who say that they believe in him. And you're like, what's up with that, Jesus. Why are you correcting the people who said that they believed in you? It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. Because he wants to expose the, the false belief, false trust, false confidence. You see, they didn't really believe that they needed to be set free. And Jesus was addressing that. He was hammering that. What he said to them was meant to be hope-giving, to set them free but they didn't want to admit that they were not free. The, the problem is, is that they, they, they thought that they had merit, they had ability to choose Jesus on their own without being set free by Jesus, by his word, but without being made new. They, they believed that, hey, and we, we don't like that idea. We're, we're, we're free Jews. We're, we've always been free. Now, the reality is they're deceived because they're currently living in this setting under the rule of Rome. They're not really free. They're deceived. And in fact, their people had a history of being enslaved and not free. They were okay believing in Jesus if nothing needed to change in their lives. If they didn't need a complete overhaul, if they didn't need someone else to deliver them, if it was about their choice, their actions, their doing, their ability, they were okay adding him to what they had. And Jesus is saying, no, you're slaves. I've got to set you free completely. Jesus isn't interested in just reforming us. He's, he's interested in completely transforming us. He's not interested in mere profession. He wants us to have a possession of his true faith. He doesn't, doesn't want to complete your life as a slave and make your life as a slave better. He wants to completely set you free from being enslaved to sin in every way. But it requires something to begin with. It requires something that we don't see here. It requires humility to admit that we need to be set free, that we can't do it on our own, that we can't free ourselves from bondage. They, they argue with him. They're, and Jesus wants them to see that, that he, they need him to deliver them because he is the true. He's the better Moses. He's, he's the one who really sets God's people free from slavery. But if they object and act like they're not really in slavery, then they can't be set free to begin with. It would be like the Egyptians in that day when Moses is coming and saying, hey, uh, God's called me to come and deliver you from slavery. And they said, no, Moses, that's cool. We're good here. We're not slaves. And they didn't follow him, put faith in, follow him out of Egypt. They wouldn't have been set free to begin with. They had to recognize they were slaves. 
you and I need to recognize that we cannot be pleasing to God on our own. There is absolutely no way we can be set free on our own. It's not by effort. It's not by sheer motivation. It's not by working hard. It's, it's not by anything else, by attaining a certain level of monetary freedom. It's not by experiencing freedom to do whatever we want. No, Jesus says you're slaves and all you're free to be is free to be slaves right now. There is a bondage of the will that Jesus is talking about, that we are in bondage to sin. We're free, free to sin, but we're not truly free unless Jesus sets us free. They said, we've never been a slave to anybody. And Jesus says, I, I tell you what, you really are. He says, if, if anyone who commits a sin... Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You know, maybe you don't think of yourself that way. Maybe you think, you know, I've, I've, just, I've just sinned a little bit in my life. I've never really done anything bad. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, and um, you, maybe you were like me when I was younger, and at some point I thought, you know, I've never really done anything that bad, because you know, I've never done all the external things that I thought were evil. And so, you know what? Yeah, God's got a good deal, and I can just do what I want. Jesus says, everybody who commits a sin is a slave to sin. What does that mean? Is there, is there anyone in the entire planet who's not committed a sin? Well, the answer is no. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the reality is that all of humanity is enslaved. But he didn't leave them hopeless. He explained how they could be set free. They could be set free through the Son. You see, they need a freedom to be given to them from outside of themselves. They need the kind of freedom that the Son gives and so look in, look in verse 35, it says, the slave doesn't remain in his house forever. You don't belong in God's house, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So if you have the same freedom of the son, if the son gives you freedom, you're truly free. But if he doesn't give you freedom, you remain a slave. Think about it. Were Adam and Eve truly free? When they chose to disobey God's word and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? No, their choice resulted in them being removed from God's presence. They were no longer free to commune with their maker who they were created to be with. They were not free. They were barred by their free choice. Was Cain free after he exercised his choice to kill Abel? No, he was sent into exile. Was Abraham free about lying after lying about his wife being his sister? Was, was Jacob free after lying to his father about being his brother? No, it, he was forced away from his family. Was Samson really free when he chose to go into a prostitute, Delilah? Did that result in his freedom? No, it resulted in bondage, enslavement. See, God all throughout the Bible is trying to help us see that we're slaves to sin apart from him. Was David really free when he took Bathsheba, another man's wife, for himself? Are people really free when they freely drink until drunk? Are people free when they become addicted to drugs? Are people free when all they live for is money, when they live for reputation? Are, are white nationalists or anarchists, activists, are they really free or are they enslaved to their ideology? And the answer in, in all those is no, that's not freedom. That's bondage. 
Well, what is freedom then? Is, you know, I don't like to be told to do. I don't know about you, but I don't like people telling me what to do. Um, you can amen that. That's, that's good because we, most of us don't like being told what to do it's, if we're honest. At least generally, we don't like constraints, but we confuse that with freedom. Instead of backing away when they responded in pride, though, Jesus doesn't back away, and he, he challenges their pride even more, because what they're doing is they're basically saying, we know who we are, we are free, and their pride was keeping them from coming to him, from submitting to him, from living and abiding in his word, and so he challenges their very identity, and he tells them that, that freedom can't be had through your heritage either. Freedom can't be had through our heritage. It's the second obstacle to freedom that he is, he is dismantling in this passage. See, freedom can't be had through our heritage. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Or maybe you're currently growing up in a Christian home. Maybe you know a lot of things about God. Maybe you've learned a lot of things about God. And, and, and maybe... Maybe you've come to church your whole life, or maybe you were baptized, maybe as an infant, or you're baptized later, or you've been baptized as an adult. So are those the things that secure our freedom in Christ? See, they were trusting in their heritage, and Jesus is saying, your heritage is not what makes you free. Your practice of religion doesn't make you free. Let me say it again. Your practice of religion doesn't make you free. You outwardly conforming to religiosity does not make you free in Christ. Your outward conformance doesn't make you free. Jesus isn't interested in easy believism. He's not not winning this crowd over anymore. This crowd of believers who Jesus is talking to, he he is hammering their pride and saying, give up all trust in yourself because you're truly in bondage. You need me to set you free. Nobody else can do it. And he says, by the way, you can't trust in your heritage. You can't trust in your birthright. You can't trust in what you you have um, always put your trust in in your religious methodology. It's not me plus these things. It's, It's only me. It's not about physical DNA my son is currently taking a genetics class and there are all kinds of amazing, wonderful things that, we've, that he's learning and that, that humanity has learned about DNA and how you inherit a lot of traits from your parents. Um, Jesus is not like that. Now, you can be taught about him, but because you're taught about him does not mean that you are in him. Jesus says... You call yourselves children of Abraham, but you don't, you, don't, you don't do the things of Abraham. You see, in that day, when, when people would refer to themselves as sons of something or somebody else would be referred to as a son of something, it would mean that they're so like that person or thing, they're so closely identified with that person or thing that they can be called a son of that thing. So, for instance, when Jesus is talking to two of his favorite disciples, James and John, he calls them sons of thunder. That was not a compliment. Now, I don't know if he was tongue-in-cheek or if he just did it to mess with them. I'm not sure. But I imagine he had a sense of humor. Because, you know, God created humor, by the way. And so when Jesus calls them, hey, the sons of thunder, what he meant was they were so loud that they were like they were born from thunder. 
They were so bawdy and boisterous, it was like they're sons of thunder. And so um, he's saying, you know, you're claiming to be the sons of Abraham, but you're nothing like him. You see, he didn't try to kill me. He was trusting in, in the promise of me, and you're not. You're not trusting in faith alone like your father Abraham. Because it wasn't the works that Abraham did that set him free. It was faith in the promise of God. So he says, you're not Abraham's child. You're seeking to kill me. I told you the truth I heard from God. Abraham didn't do that. Abraham heard God's truth and believed. And then he's saying, I'll tell you who you're like. I bet this really won him over, right? This is a feel-good message for these people. These are believers. He says, by the way, you're slaves. And Abraham's not your father. And by the way, I'll tell you who your father is. You're really like your father. And they say, well, we have God as our father. And then they, they try to turn the tables on him. And, and it's probably a slight on his parentage. They say, we weren't born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. I can imagine the mood in the room was growing darker as Jesus is talking. Jesus tells them, though, that you can't handle the truth and hate me. You can't really be Abraham's sons. In fact, you have to be somebody else, have to have someone else as your father. But the way you're acting, you're demonstrating who your true father is. And he responds and he says, if God were your father, you'd love me. What does it look like to be born of God? It looks like being born of God looks like loving Jesus. He says, I came from God. I'm here. I'm not of my own accord, but he sent me. He won't let them off the hook. They claim to love God, but they don't love his son whom God sent. And it's not possible to have God as your father and say you don't love Jesus. And by the way, that rules out any and all religions. Christianity is exclusive. Jesus was not okay with the idea that all roads lead to him. If you don't love me as the one sent by God as his son, you don't know God. And then he tells them, he's not asking the question in verse 43. He's not, he's not really curious, why do you not understand me? No, he's answering why they don't understand him. He says, here's why you don't understand me. Because you can't bear to hear my word because it offends you. It offends your pride. It actually curtails your own personal freedom. You have to give it up. It confronts not only your pride, it confronts your ideas of what you put your trust in, your hope in. Christianity is about giving up hope in those things and putting our hope in him. They couldn't bear hearing they need to be set free, that something was wrong with them. They couldn't bear hearing that they couldn't trust their own ability, they couldn't trust their own heritage, what they knew. They couldn't bear that. And their pride kept them from understanding. And so Jesus says, okay, let me tell you who you really are, whose children you really are. This must have gone over well. Look in, look in verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Not only are you not born of Abraham, not only are you not born of God, you're, you're, you're the devil. That's who, that, you're so much like the devil that your, your father is the devil. Because why? Because you're wanting to do what he wants. Your desires are corrupt at the very basic core of who you are. Your desires are the devil's desires. 
And that's what we have to confess as believers is that by nature, our sin is not, our, our, our nature is not basically good. Our nature is, is, is corrupted, not as bad as it could be, but corrupted because we desire the same things. We desire to murder, if not actively in our hearts. We have nothing to do with the truth. We lie, we sin. They claim to believe in him and practice religion, yet they lie. They're full of hatred for him. And they tell him that the truth about their true state, that they want to kill him. And so Jesus says, you know, because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. And Jesus is exposing their sins and challenging them to find sin in him, and they'll find none. What he's saying is, he's the only trustworthy, sinless one. He's the only one who is worthy, who is able to set them free. And he says, whoever's of God, look in verse 47, hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. It requires a work of the Holy Spirit for them to, their ears to be opened and hear. It requires them to repent and believe, to trust in him. Uh, an old guy named Reinhold Niebuhr, he, he once said, no accumulation of contradictory evidence seems to disturb modern man's good opinion of himself. You know, in today's world, we say, well, it's just a matter of, of, of education. So if we educate everybody, if people understand, then they'll truly be free. And, and we pour so many efforts into this world of, of changing ideologies and acting like that is our hope for freedom. And he says, no, that, there's no freedom in those things. Not true freedom. Jesus doesn't want them to think that any earthly Messiah will solve their problems. No earthly kingdom, no earthly leader will affect their deliverance. Only he can bring freedom through revealing the truth about who we are and who he is and setting us free as we trust in him. We must hear the words of Jesus, as in hear and obey. In, in, in the Old Testament, new both, whenever it says, if you hear my words, not just talking about, oh, I can, I can actually audibly hear them. It's hearing with the idea of keeping. That's why he talks about abiding and hearing interchangeably in this passage. If you abide in my words, if you hear my words, but you can't hear my words because you're not of God, but you need to hear, you need to, you need to abide, trust in, hear my words and obey. And we see that hearing in verse 40, and then verse 43, and then verse 47, verse 40, it says, um, I'm going to tell you the truth I heard from God. Verse 43, you can't bear to hear my word. Why? Because it requires dying to self, admitting we need him, and then following him. Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. If you claim to be a believer and you're just listening and you're, you're hearing the way that we think of hearing without actually obeying, Jesus is challenging that. He challenges that notion. Not only that, he says that freedom, it, it can't be had. It can't be had apart from Christ. It can't be had your heritage because you're slaves. It comes from admitting you're slaves first, but also can't be had apart from Christ. The Jews, they think he's crazy. There was a, a movie that came out a few years ago that I really actually never watched. Um, my kids probably have watched it a couple hundred times, uh, and that's probably not an exaggeration. Um, it's a movie called Frozen. Anybody heard of that movie from a few years ago? If you were a parent or have been a parent, you've heard of the movie Frozen. 
And uh, the main character's name is Elsa, right? That's correct, Elsa. And, um, and she has a song that she sings in the, in, the, in the movie. It becomes really her theme song. She says, it's time to see what I can do. To test the limits and break through. This sounds, sounds uplifting, right? No right. Oh, no wrong. Ooh, no rules for me. I'm free. That's the American theme, isn't it? No right, no wrong, nobody tell me, no rules, I want to test the limits, no rules for me, I want to be free. But that's not freedom, because freedom can't be found in any of those things, freedom can't be found apart from Christ. They can't admit they need to be delivered not just from slavery, but from the kingdom of darkness, that they need, they're helpless to hear from God unless he rescues them. And because they won't humble themselves, they won't receive his word, they lash out in anger and they blaspheme the Son of God and they tell the Son of God to his face, you're a Samaritan, you're a demon, you have a demon. So Jesus says, I honor my Father, you dishonor me. Now often people blaspheme Christ today. Even to call him just a good man is blasphemous. He was not merely a good man. He was not merely a prophet. And then he tells us, he, he says how we can receive his freedom, how we can receive the eternal life. And in verse 51, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anybody keeps my word, he'll never see death. He's motivated by this passion for the glory of the Father. And in verse 54, he says, if I glory my, glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he's our God. And so if you're not glorifying Jesus in your life, if you're not seeking to glorify him, you're not glorifying God. And so they, they mock him and they say, you're not even 50. You know, Abraham died, the prophets died. Who are you? Who do you think you are? And he tells them who he is in verse 58. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And and that's a very odd way of speaking, by the way. It was odd back then. If, If I told you before Abraham Lincoln was, I am, you would kind of look at me funny. Like, what are, you, what are you really trying to say? But they actually got it. They understood that he was using the same exact language of Yahweh as he revealed himself to Moses, as God revealed himself and says, go and tell my people, I am sent you. The one who is self-existent, the one who always has been, who always will be, who is self-sustaining, I am. And they understood what he was claiming. And, and here's the deal. They went from embracing him supposedly believing and at the end of this passage these were believers at the end of this passage what do they do they pick up stones that's not talking about pebbles this is picking up rocks because they're trying to kill him they want to bash his head in they want to beat his body with stones until he's dead they go from saying they believe in Jesus to hating him so much that they're actively looking to physically kill him that's that's how we've gotten to where we are today too by the way is, is this progression in our own society of we don't want to admit we're slaves. We like our heritage. We, we like the idea that we can have our own freedom on our own, something achievable. 
in ourselves. And so society and people around us today pick up stones and try to cast Jesus out. What is freedom? It's freedom to love God and not hate. Freedom to not sin. Freedom to be able to obey God. Freedom to live in the good of who God says we are. Freedom to be in fellowship with our creator in relationship with him. Freedom to be his son and daughter. Freedom, that's freedom. No real freedom comes without some kinds of constraints. You know, if, if when I was younger, I was in information technology <clears throat> a long time ago, and um, I was studying for exams, certifications in a certain discipline, trying to become a certified systems engineer, and so um, um, they had a course of seven tests, and so you can take those tests in whatever order, as long as you pass them, it doesn't really matter, you can take them whenever you want. You're free to, but you're really not free to take them because you're going to fail unless you actually give up freedom and restrict yourself, your hours, and spend lots of time and discipline studying, and then that enables you to have freedom. So this whole notion that freedom means I'm just going to throw everything off, well, that doesn't really work. Jesus' freedom comes through this ability to obey God. It actually comes from submitting to him. It comes from obedience to him. It comes from listening to his word, applying to his word, doing the hard work. Now, he sets us free in our very nature because we're slave to sins, but then he actually gives us the, the recipe, if you will, of, hey, I've set you free. If you put your trust in me, if you truly believe, if you truly abide, live in my words, trust in my words, not only will I, will I set you free and you'll, you'll be with me and live forever, but you're not going to be enslaved to all these sins that keep bogging you down. That's good news. How does that come? It comes by abiding in his word, by hearing his word, by listening to his word, by obeying his word. Discipleship is not just learning about Jesus, it's learning about Jesus so that we follow him, so that we do the things that Jesus did, act the way Jesus acted, because he set us free at our very core nature to be able to do that. We don't earn our salvation by obedience. No, he sets us free so that we are free to obey. You know, over the last few weeks, I was thinking that over the last five weeks or so, we've heard that Jesus is our bread, that he gives us water, that he is the light. And, and now we've heard that he's the truth that sets us free. But so what? So what are we doing with that? Are you, are you just hearing that Jesus is our bread, so when I take communion, that's a nice thought? Or are you saying, I need to eat of him. He is my life. If I don't have him, I have nothing. Where is your source of hope in life, and how are you responding to that? Hopefully not just by professing. You have to possess him. He's our bread. He's our water. He's the light. He's the truth that sets us free. So what are we going to do with that? Do these truths really matter? What difference does Jesus make in your daily life? You see, he's not interested in just people saying they believe in him. 
He wants us to abide in it. Have we relegated him to one area and kept him locked away? Is he just something nice to look at or do we let him into every area of our lives? Are we hungry? Are we thirsty for him? Do you realize you have no light without him or do you look to, other, to the darkness instead? Do you know that he's the truth and all truth is understood through him? If not, then, then so What? question is, will you submit to him? Will you abide in his words? What change needs take, to take place in our hearts to help us eat him as our daily bread? You know, do we need to actually put it into practice and say, wait a minute, I, I, I need to do some work here. I'm, you know, it's, it may not feel pleasant at the moment, but it's going to bring true freedom. I, I need to be in his word, phys- like actually in the Bible. Do some serious study, maybe memorization, reading, how are we going to plan to offer somebody else the bread that's needed? How are you doing that? If, if you really believe that Jesus is the bread, are you offering it to anybody else or are you just keeping that to yourself? Do you really believe it? If you really believe it, are you offering it? This passage, it, it is not easy. It challenges mere believism. What change needs to take place? What, what are we going to do to pursue drinking from the Holy Spirit? Jesus says he offers us living water. It's the water we need to refresh our souls, to give us joy. So are we pursuing that to be filled with the Spirit through prayer, through dependency, through, through taking Holy Spirit-infused risks, going out and sharing the good news with people? Where do we need to shine the light? Are we hiding some area of darkness in our life? Are we saying, we're going to hear his words, he's the light, we're going, to, we're going to expose ourselves to him so that we can be changed? What are we going to do with the truth ourselves? How's God wanting to set us free from the truth? This is it's not just a nice message about Jesus. This is not just good news that we read like a newspaper with a cup of coffee or tea and then close and say, that's good news to know, and, and now I'm informed which is how I, I read the news, by the way. <laughs> I read the news just so I can know and be informed and be culturally relevant, and then I put it away. And, and we're not to read this good news that way. Here's the good news. Jesus says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you'll, know that you, you'll be my disciples, and, if, and you'll know the truth, and the truth, it'll set you free. That's good news. It's good news we're supposed to do something with. Wherever you are, this causes major life shifts, major upheaval in our lives. If, if this good news about Jesus, it does not transform your life and you can't tell a difference between you and anyone else, you have to ask, am I like these first people who were just believing or said they believed? If, you see, Jesus is the grace of God that has appeared. He himself is the favor of God. What more could we want? He offers us his own body, his bread, that we can actually live in the good of the the fact that, that, that no longer are we enslaved to sin because he took all of our sins and he paid for all those sins. That is our food. Our food is 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 living by his identity, by the fact that our life is found in his new life. He's given us favor in the water of life, favor in the, in the light of life, favor in the truth of life. He's given us himself. He is the grace of God, the unmerited grace of God that he's given to all who are needy. 
So what will we do with it? What will we do with this news? Will we just fold them up? Remaining in the words of Jesus that he's talking about here, it it means submitting to the truth that Jesus tells us about ourselves, submitting the truth he tells us about him, and putting all our hope and trust in him. Not trusting any other word to be free. To remain in his word, to know the truth, we confront the hard reality of who he says we are apart from him. No confidence in our flesh. We embrace the truth that unless he sets us free, we're still living with the devil as our father. The way to be set free is to renounce the lies, embrace his truth. If you abide in my word, here's the wonderful news. You truly are my disciples. If you are truly my disciples, he says, you'll know the truth. If you know the truth, that truth will set you free. He has good freedom in store for all of us today. Will we abide in it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that, Lord, when we confess that we need you, that is an understatement. God, we need you in every area of our lives. My one defense, my righteousness. Lord, how we need you. But God, thank you that all who come to you through your son, who place their faith in you, you offer true freedom, true grace, true mercy. We're no longer slaves to sin if we put our trust and hope in you. We no longer have to be bound by confidence in our own heritage. We, we, we no longer have to look for, for freedom in, in, in slave masters in the world around us. But whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God, I pray that you would give us joy in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Thanks for being attentive to God's word.